there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hmm. Okay, I'm doing it. A Joe Gomez goal is going to play a pivotal part in Liverpool winning a title this season. Liverpool versus Manchester City at Anfield will decide the title. I disagree with this. I'm sick of these average players and tiny football clubs coming into the Prem and damaging the brand. (laughs) 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 Which leads me on to Timo Werner. Five reasons why Liverpool will win the league. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect and our first episode of 2024 with the title race finally poised. We are going to look forward into the foggy landscape that is the next five months and address the possible hurdles that could decide the title race. And along the way, we're going to discuss what could provide a metaphorical trampette to evade said hurdles and cross the finish line on the 19th of May to take gold. I wrote that. That's very nice. <laughs> Sorry, normally Kai does it. Kai, we love you. We miss you. Kai's not well at the moment, but he'll be back soon. Um, so I wrote that, and I'm quite proud of that. Did you use a thesaurus? I didn't. I wrote it on the train. <laughs> I did have to. I wasn't totally sure how to spell evade, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's also something else I wrote. So we are we're going to dive into the possible elements that could affect the title race. But first, Paul, I'd like you to read this, which is something I've also... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what, Fun? If you sent this across to me and I just opened it up, then, yeah, no, go for it. So I, Paul Machen, do solemnly swear hmm, to temper my clear biases for the betterment of an interesting conversation around the Premier League title race with my old pal, James Orcott. Um, my incredibly handsome... Pa- I don't, no, I don't recall writing it. this. Um, <laughs> of course, the odd moments of banter may trickle through via a twinkle uh, through the Machen eyes on a look to camera which you can see exclusively on Spotify of course Um, but I will endeavour not to blindly say Liverpool win the title just for the sake of it so help me Robbie Fowler God get a little little gag at the end there as well so help me what should it but he said Robbie Fowler who is of course forget it right final thing before we get into the chat Fate is the word of the week this week. It's the development of events outside a person's control regarded as predetermined by a supernatural power. Also a bit of Greek and Roman mythology for you guys. Three goddesses who presided over the birth and life of humans. Each person's destiny was thought of as a thread spun, measured and cut by the three fates, Clotho, Lachesis and Atropos. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? Nope. No, I don't think. I know. Neither was I. So we've said it. So we are going to talk about all sorts. Fixtures. We're going to talk about possible transfers, form, players coming back, players coming back from injury, players coming back from AFCON. And Paul is going to give us five reasons why Liverpool will win the league. Thanks for that. Despite the biased 
thing I just asked him to, to talk about. First things first, Paul, how are you? How is life? How's it at the summit of the Premier League? Yeah, life is much better than it was this time 12 months ago. Um, no one really sort of tells you when you start out doing a thing that like that how particularly in football but how much your you know your happiness is intrinsically linked to 11 fellas kicking a ball around mm. before you get into doing it as a as a you know podcast youtube series etc cetera, etc cetera. um but that becomes exacerbated hugely and even worse and i'm bear in mind i'm well i'm very well aware of your football allegiances so <laughs> i know this will fall on deaf ears yes but probably. when you kind of get to the top it's lovely when you never really think about what might happen when that stops being a thing because you spend so long waiting for that to happen. Mm. Um, that yeah, I, wa- I wasn't psychologically prepared for Liverpool to be crap last year, so I'm I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying us being less so this. So how many years have you been doing the well doing YouTube? We started on YouTube in 2010, in the summer of 2010. So wow. that is yeah, we're in our 14th year at the moment. And what percentage of those have been joyous? About. Ooh, not quite half and now. actually do you know, a deeper question there maybe <laughs> what what allows you to tick a year off as joyous for you because um, I think that is like when we we do come from different places yes <laughs> literally and when it comes to football yeah and and so <laughs> I so QPR my podcast lost... don't have words of the week is what no. you're saying no, <laughs> no what I'm saying say QPR for example we lost 3-2 to Bournemouth mm-hmm. in the FA Cup we went 2-0 up yep and I wasn't there because I GPL got a lot of home games coming up. So I was like, I'll, I'll leave that one. We're not going to win it anyway. Everyone's injured. And then we're 2-0 up and we still lost 3-2. Mm-hmm. But QPR have been so bad for so long that I kind of went, I scored two goals. That felt nice for a bit. No, yeah. but I, I have this. Is, this is the thing about football is that the problem is the, the, the closer to the top you get, the finer margins of success are. And so success and failure feel like an, an absolute cliff edge in any given opportunity. So you get a lot more misery for no real apparent reason. So I remember, I think I've moved... Because you this. need the certificate. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get near the top, you have to get, the, you need the medal. There's no participation awards at that, at that yes. stage. You know, there's that's no good. like just the joy of competing. There should be. And that's something I try my best to try and seek out a little bit more and try to remind people that the joy comes in goals and in good pieces of skill and in a young player standing up in the face of like overwhelming odds and having a good game that's where I find my joy in football but really you get a lot of people who it's just yeah I I remember saying this is like the early 2000s funny enough you had Robbie Fowler mentioned earlier when we sold Robbie Fowler I remember I was devastated and I was out in a closet student at the time and I was out in the, the student union, as you do, a couple of, couple of cheap pints in and I turned around and one of my best, best mates in union said, oh, I'm just really down. He said, what's the matter? So we've sold, we've sold God. And he's like, I'm a Stockport County fan, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got Carlton Palmer as our manager. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you complaining about? And I, oh yeah, actually, yeah, perspective's interesting. So yeah, personal development, professional development are important, but inevitably... They're, they're really dampened when Liverpool don't do well. So to, uh, coming back to what you were saying there in terms of... So to answer that question, of the 14 years, how many would you say have been um, good? The really, really good... Ultimately, the ones where Liverpool win trophies are the, the best ones because that is the, the, be- the best blend of everything. So not only do you get to do... Because year on year, it gets, everything gets better and new doors unlock and you get to experience new things and meet new cool and interesting Within people. work, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, as, a, as a professional in, 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 in the industry, my own like sort of development, yeah, every year has its, all, has its great highs. 
But when Liverpool are rubbish, you're fighting against that because you'd be fighting against that as a football fan anyway. But then you're fighting against that thing where all the all the the metrics by which you measure yourself in that space, and ultimately the ones that put allow you to pay for staff and that kind of stuff, they become quite on top. So probably three or four perfect really? years in that time. Because I think we'll get onto it, but I I do think there's something interesting in the one title that you did win and obviously how you won it. And so now with, this is, I guess, the second evolution of Klopp. Is it second? I think it's the second, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, we're had calling it a, a long tail, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and so the sort of meaning of that is that you kind of really want to get, make sure you get another one in the bag, kind mm. of for him, for, for it, for all of those different things. Yeah. And so, but also I think that to win the title... And you be there. That's, That's the Because the, the joyous thing, again, with most things, if you look at it as black and white, I would go, what are you on about? You've won all these trophies. You've been to all these finals. Either way, you got to the end of competitions all the time. Surely they've all been kind of wonderful and joyous. But it, if you then come back round to the moments for some of those and the one that was supposedly, the, I guess, the look, the Champions League, you've won it a lot of times and they're obviously all epic. But that Premier League title was one that you were so desperate for. So yeah. to, for it to be the way it was, it would be gutting for Liverpool to not get a, another one during that Jürgen Klopp break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. You, you have this uh, pervading sense of like a limited amount of time. We all know the footballers have got a limited lifespan, shelf life, managers the same, eras come to an end. Uh, and that was the big fear. This was the last season for Liverpool. was like, oh, is that it? Yeah. Have we had our time in the sun now, and is it now time to fade off and go back to being a team that battles for fourth, you know, and, and rather than battles for for honours, really? And that, but that Premier League title was like, I could do a lot, I could do a much filthier sort of analogy for this, but I, I won't. <laughs> but it is very. The I kind of want to know the well, no, but, no, but there's a very there's a very blue balls feeling to it of like you know you had all that build up you know we were on that run Liverpool had to set the record for most points run in the first 23 24 games of a, of a season had the biggest the longest winning run um, and then obviously COVID kind of took that away and then we had a you know as everyone did that uncertain certainty that it would even come back all that talk of it being cancelled then it did come back and they got across the line it was great but and I. I I mean, again, it goes back to maybe a bit of privilege. Is that for most people, I experienced it like most people would have done. Yeah, it was on the telly. I was just thinking that. Um, but I, I've got a season ticket and I've I've seen them. I've be I was there in Madrid when we won the Champions League. I got I, I, that's what football is for me. Football was being there. Mm. Um, so yeah, to get that to not have that release and that's like it's hard to sort of say without getting a bit too sort of overly serious about it, but. It's hard to f- have that lead up and you're waiting for that crescendo. That's 30 years. That's like, mm. you know, I, I was there when Liverpool lifted the title in 1990. I was only seven. Uh, so I don't really recall what it meant or the feelings of it. I don't think anyone really felt that it would be anything other than a, another league title that Liverpool mm. had won at the time. But like to have that build up and crescendo and then not really feel the ultimate satisfaction from it was... Yeah, that's a hard thing to sort of place. Yeah, totally. And I think I think the older you get, the more... Oh, my, I, I don't know if dad listens to this or not, but my dad cries a lot of the football days. <laughs> like, but I, I sort of, I get teary as well because we kind of, you realise that the sort of, the moment, my dad said this, I'm going to try and say this without crying, but he, he said it started tearing up because he said, we were looking at the, the walls and it had all these different moments. And he said, oh, it makes you think, isn't it? That, okay, they're, they're moments, but 
it's not they're not actually their moments the people on the wall there are there are moments and so obviously as life goes on you kind of the wins and the losses you can you can ride that way quite easily yeah. but it probably feels that a little bit more profound when you get just on a different probably more emotional level when when you do kind of cross the line because no. you because you know that how many you know you don't know how many times this is going to happen well i so i I've spoken to a lot of footballers over the years. I've interviewed Emil Heskey a couple of times about, like, let's say, the treble season for Liverpool, 2001, the, the, the cup treble. He can't remember, like, big games at the end of that. He's got no memory. I go, like, I can't even remember which one it is. One of the, maybe it's the, maybe it's the UEFA Cup, but there's one I go, I'm, what about this? And I'm, t- and I'm telling him stuff, and he's like, I'll be honest, but I've got no idea. I don't remember it at all. I remember this game, and I remember this game, but I don't remember that. And that kind of speaks <laughs> to that point entirely, that people build their lives around these things, that, you know, where were you when this particular moment took place? Mm. Um, but footballers, I mean, some will, of course, you know, because they then got to go on. I think it depends whether they're on the after-dinner t- circuit or not. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll they'll remember things it. more when you've got oh, a way to monetize it. it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm reading uh, Johan Cruyff's book at the moment, and he says the same thing. Him and M.A.O. Heskey are always felt they were very similar <laughs> okay, he was saying, he was saying that he, he can't, for a different idea I think and I don't know if this is just a bit of bravado in the book but he was kind of saying I was too busy looking at the next thing the next thing the next thing um, and I'm sure Emma was the same so what we're going to do we're going to inevitably lean towards uh, Liverpool at different times because we want to utilise Paul's knowledge here but we'll talk about all the Premier League uh, title race contenders and some elements so let's start with some fixtures here mm-hmm and what I did was I put a tweet out and you guys were fantastic. Thank you for doing that. I will regularly use your services. So please do give me a follow on Twitter because we got some great stuff when it came to things that could affect the title race. So Jake, and this is, uh, we've got this um, sprinkled throughout. The first thing was the fixtures. And this is interesting. So Jake Alberice says Liverpool, Liverpool versus Manchester City at Anfield will decide the title. I disagree with this. Okay. The reason I disagree with this, and I've always disagreed with these kind of things, is obviously against the top size, you need to be able to accumulate points. But what I think constantly gets forgotten about is the ability to beat the rest. Yes. And I always feel like, I always feel like the rest of the league gets patronised. Again, that's my lens is probably coming from that angle. But if you look at Arsenal last year, okay, yeah, they lost to Man City twice. But they, you know, they drew with Southampton, which they shouldn't have done. And they drew with West Ham and they were 2-0 up against you guys. I'm not saying you're the other guys, but I, I, I disagree with that. As someone who's kind of, you know, obviously been at so many of those big games and it, that has been such a rivalry between the two of you. Do you agree or disagree with that one? Honestly, I can play it both ways because I think about the ta- when Liverpool did win the title, we beat Manchester City. We, we had a, a really interesting spell of games where we won late against Aston Villa at Villa Park, like one of the, the real highlights of that season. And then we had a European game in midweek and then we played City. And there was a, a real like sliding doors, point swing kind of situation there, whereas instead of it being tight and neck and neck, which it could have been if City had won that game, instead Liverpool end up something like seven points clear come right. come the end of it. And I remember walking out of that game and going, Liverpool, Liverpool have won the title there. And 
Um, of course, that wasn't the game that people think when Liverpool won the title. The one that gets remembered is we beat Manchester United in the January. Allison plays it down the pitch. Salah scores. Top comes off. Allison Lee slides into him. Cop sings. We're going to win the league for the first time. And that was really the moment that Liverpool were going to win the league. Have you sung it this year yet? No. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> As, so what no. are Liverpool fans kind of... Because I mean, keep your fans to do that after three victories. <laughs> is that is that something that Liverpool fans are careful about? Yeah, hundred percent. That's interesting. That goes back to thirteen, fourteen. So there was a we sang it quite oh. uh, well, not early because again we actually beat Man City um, in, with about five or six games I think to go, maybe it was slightly more than that. And um, of course that was the infamous, of course, Gerard slip against Chelsea and, and blah blah blah. Um, but since then we've been a lot more careful to. Kind of, we'll sing Liverpool at top of the league and that and that kind of stuff, which is factually <laughs> right. correct. But not That's the, not... and now you're going to believe us. Not exactly. That no, no, no. Oh, interesting. Gets, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. That's social media for you. Uh, no so, one wants do, to be so do you agree with this guy? So March the 9th Sorry, yeah. This is. Yeah, I. I. So what I mean by the example that I've given there is that probably will decide the title because if you can, if Liverpool continue in the form they're in and City continue there or thereabouts in similar, if not even slightly improved form, if you take four points from Manchester City in over your two games, so if you draw your away game and you win your home game, mm. you've given yourself almost the best possible chance yeah. that you can have there. Um, but, I, but I agree that it's too early in that run-in um, because actually it's not so much that fixture there's the two or three the side of it for City which is what I think is really going to decide that not necessarily okay. just the Liverpool City oh, game so the, around those games you have in the lead up you've got Luton at home Forest away this is us all then this is you guys and then afterwards you've got Everton and then Brighton yeah, but the, have you got the city fixtures from around? I can get the city from, fixtures from around. Oh, absolutely. Then. Sorry to drop that on you. I That's was trying right. to, but I do not have the Wi-Fi. So. I tell you what. Whilst whilst I get that up, game week thirty-seven and Aston Villa. So Luke Robinson says Unai Emery. Full stop. So the penultimate <laughs> game week of the season sees Aston Villa versus Liverpool, and that could be because we are. I think what is going to be. We need to kind of keep coming back away from it to a point, but also be realistic in the idea that. I think a lot of us feel like it's between three of you. And I think because Arsenal are in a bad place right now, people are starting to sort of like move them to the side and making it about you guys. But Aston Villa have had an unbelievable start to the season. And I think they've got... So my feeling on Villa is that they're a bit like Arsenal last year, where the sort of um, stock of their squad isn't... Is what's... That's where Arsenal are struggling with that stock price now mm-hmm. a little bit, like the pressure that we spoke about right at the start. I think Aston Villa kind of aren't aren't there yet. Yeah. And this would be interesting to get your take on it. I don't and I don't know if this is a London thing or a big six thing or whatever it would be. I feel like Villa are still kind of hiding in the shadows a little yeah. bit. We had a running joke of we're doing our the Red Men podcast of the week, and I asked the three of the people on the couch with me, "Has anyone else noticed that Aston Villa are second in the league?" Because we were talking about We're, Arsenal, we were talking about City, exactly, and, and nobody. It's like you've got Liverpool, yada yada, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal yeah, City, yeah. and you need to be wary of that because you know we used to do a lot of shows um, around the time when Leicester won, when Leicester won the league, and we'd be together on a Monday going, "This is the week where Leicester." they're surely going to yeah, come undone yeah. because this will be that. So everyone's got to be very wary of that. They'll, 
it depends on what when it gets hard and what your motivations become at some point in the season and what's left in the tank and what's left in the legs and if there's a good conference league run linked in there as well there comes a point around April where you, you do have to prioritise what so you're doing here's a question for you so if you could give Aston Villa and their fan base and everyone involved with Aston Villa some advice <laughs> to, to sort of go go as far as possible in this title race they are currently second because there is this feeling of a yeah but come on there is a no, lot no, of no, that. No, no, it's, and, it's, it's, and I get it because they've done it before but I think if you go one by one through that squad and the bulk of the other squads Theirs is really, really good. Unai Emery is a better manager than Mikel Arteta and they've got a guy who will score 20 goals playing up front for them. And it sounds stupid, but you can't win. I don't think you can win the title without a good manager and a 20-goal and a season striker. I just don't think it's possible. And I'm sure there'll be someone out there... Man City's kind of an exception, but yeah. Banging their head on the steering wheel or whatever, going, <laughs> well, what about this season, idiot? But like, you know, that's my general take, like, like it or leave it. But... um They've got that going for them. Unai mean, Emery's a brilliant manager, and um, yeah, I think they've got a real, a real sort of part to play in that. And that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm crossing fingers and toes that the Conference League does become all-consuming, where it starts to get a bit tricky, legs start to ache, and you start to look around at your squad and thinking, how do we get through this? Rather than everyone's flying, this is all brilliant. But and and Liverpool have gone through that in recent years. So what would your advice be? Their advice would be my advice would be is to do, oh, look enjoy the ride. I don't get sucked into this idea of a title race or you've got the pressure of it because the second you you, you have expectation, you're setting yourself up to be upset and you're you're actually going to lose out on the enjoyment factor of what it is right. that's in front of you. Villa might go, this might be the first season in a resurgent Villa for years to come, but it might be a one-off. Um, but you don't get, to, you, it's nothing to do with you. You don't get to choose what, what it is, you just get to live it. So you might as well just, and I, I remember saying this to Arsenal fans last season of, if they win the title, amazing, but don't get ahead of yourselves. Just kind of in, enjoy the wins, enjoy the new songs, enjoy the increased feeling of camaraderie, that that pleasure of actually going to the match and thinking that you, more often than not, you're going to win it. Do that, and if you come out with a piece of silverware at the end, then laugh and enjoy your parade. That's what Ranieri did really well with Leicester. Mm. Is it was a sort of he wouldn't come out of that area of riding the wave, and I think that's that's the one thing where I wonder with Unai Emery, can, and I, he tried to do it. He did the sort of like we've got for like thirty nine points, and then he started giggling, and I think it worked once, but I'm not sure. I just not sure he could keep doing it. So I'll be intrigued to see. If that tension builds, with well, he's Aston Villa. He's, he's such a winner. You know, he's been there and he's won, he's won stuff. He's you know, so he he should have that aura that kind of calms everyone down. You'd hope so, yeah. And I think that also they've played quite a brave style of football. Hmm. I think that's a big part of it. As That'll well. be the shift. Sorry, is that if teams start to go, how am I falling for that anymore? Because the biggest challenge from any team to go from being a, you know, defend well, counter attack, you know, getting your face kind of side is when teams go, now we're not having this and we're going to put 11 men behind the ball. Mm. That is the difference between a team that can deal with that and still win games is the tip top. That's what Man City have been for so many years. So before that game in game week 37, Villa versus Liverpool. And so even maybe if Liverpool... Villa have fallen away. Villa and Liverpool, very close. <laughs> if Villa have fallen away, and we still it was like you were speaking Latin for a second. <laughs> yeah, there. No, I, don't know what I was looking at the word Villa, <laughs> trying to say Liverpool. Uh, then 
they could still be going for the Champions League at that point. It's so tight at the top there. So Villa's final six run-in begins with Arsenal away. So Emery obviously goes back to the Emirates. Huge. <laughs> so the I guess the other side of that is what could that mean for Arteta if if you know Arsenal kind of fall away a little bit or in a game of that magnitude that those games reverberate for so long because you don't remember December, January, February, do you? Mm-hmm. Remember March and April. The recency bias comes in in full effect in a football season. Absolutely. And and particularly that, I mean, I'm not one. I don't really love like the lad, 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 banter, banter, banter part of football. But I think a lot of people can agree that there is something missing from our timeline and it is Arsenal fans fuming. I've had so many years of just like, just like a little like amuse-bouche at the end of the weekend <laughs> where you're like, oh, that was nice. Quite a, quite a nice, oh, that little really, bit of yeah. some little aperitif to the, yeah, to, the yeah. to the weekend. And that as a story is is a is a delicious one. You know, the idea <laughs> well, of... bottling it again. Well, yeah, yeah, well, not even them bottling it, more the idea of it being Unai Emery, you know, and this guy who was effectively, you know, not, hounded off the club's not quite right, but, you know, Ultimately, thought of as not good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. simple as that. Hilarious. I think that's interesting. When you talk about that, that tension, and I do, I sort of, I, f- I felt it with, I thought Newcastle would do it last year. Didn't, prove me wrong. Villa, I wonder, but I actually, I think Unai Emery will overall have the answers. But with Arsenal, I think calm down with Arsenal yeah. generally. Like everyone needs to massively calm down. But the, it's a bit like, what's it called? Corpsing. Yeah. So you know when you've got to, when you if if you've ever watched you know the deleted scenes from The Office and they're breaking down, it, they've said themselves that like when you know when it's the line that you're getting wrong and you're laughing on the line that's one thing, but the more that happens, it's the line into the line that you're about to say that that affects you. And I've wondered with Arsenal, it will be fascinating to see if that tension of oh I know if we get to the title race at the end of it we've got to deal with the fact that everyone's going to think we're going to bottle it again that could occur earlier on in the season yeah yeah and you've got all this sort of growing narrative around they can't score goals and and that kind of thing and that's actually you have those situations where you want to be able to turn to someone and and they go it's all right I've got this you know I have have a footballer on the pitch who just goes don't worry about it just give me the ball and I'll sort it out and then they go and win it for you and then you breathe and then the the, the pressure sort of release the tension eases Um, so you're right you can kind of get in your head it's known the BBC classic comedy series coupling as the giggle loop where you're in a situation where you're not allowed to do do something and all you can all consumingly think of is doing that doing that thing laughing at a funeral they use as an example but in this case it would be Arsenal like not wanting to not want to experience that so does it become sort of manifest because you don't want it to happen yeah I do wonder and there is a seriousness about Arteta as well which I think sometimes I wonder if that's that could hurt them at some point we Mm. will see so you're talking about Man City and their games Uh, that's 9th of March game against Liverpool around that Man United the weekend before Brighton the weekend after and the weekend after that Arsenal and then the weekend after that Villa. Mm. I feel it, yeah. It's a Ooh. tricky old a tricky old run of games they've got. Mm. And then then a couple of games then they've got Spurs. Yeah. So still got they they have got a really, really tough run in. In terms of Tottenham, so from April into May they have a run of Man City Arsenal, both at home, Liverpool away, and they also have Aston Villa away in March. So one way or another, Tottenham will have a say in the title race. When you speak of 
the uh, the lack of the amuse bouche that is Arsenal getting angry on Twitter, which was you know the gluttony of the previous of back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. sadly gone. Um, it's but like it, when you've got to roll a tube of toothpaste and you, you know, you're just kind of like carefree with it. It's yeah, only when it's only gone, gone you're really starting to squeeze the last couple of bits out. Yeah. Brilliant. So if Tottenham beat Arsenal at home on the 27th of April, day before my birthday, if anyone wants to jot that down, that's um that's gonna be outrageous. And I, oh, again, I think the thing it's a weird time for Arsenal, Arsenal fans and Arteta, because if they go and win it. Fine. Again, it comes back to what we were saying right at the start. That there's just there's so little room to breathe at the top. But if Tottenham finish above them mm. after where they were at the start of the season, that's. I mean, that's going to be hectic. Well, this is the thing of like you kind of reap what you sow, don't you? And I'm obviously outside of the London bubble, so I I I, I forget. Tottenham are a thing. We've had this as a running thing for years. Really? Yeah, yeah. Just, they're just, just a football, they're just a football club, you right. know. The, you know, and and I suppose it's how probably people, maybe people think about Everton sometimes, you know, because they're not in big conversations around, you know, th- things a lot. And Spurs have been in recent years, but I think of Arsenal in certain ways, and I link Arsenal with other football clubs. I don't, I don't often, I don't think of the North London derby really as a as a thing, but I'm aware of it, like. That's yeah, I'm a football fan, so I know yeah, it, but yeah, it yeah, doesn't doesn't really pop into my head. See, as a, as a neutral, and maybe um, I don't know, maybe it's the flab thing, or yeah, or London, or or whatever. But I feel like I think that's the best derby. North yeah, London. it might be, but it's it, it very it's it's very rarely consequential, um, and I think it gets talked about a lot. In terms of the big Premier League games, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really fit onto my radar. To be honest, I think more about Arsenal, Chelsea, and 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 even like. Arsenal United have got that really, really sort of like competitive rather, which is I, I find hilarious in that way. But it, yeah, that, that thing of the banter that Spurs fans have been on the receiving end, and I only really know this because of because of Flav. And I, I talk a lot about WhatsApp groups that clearly exist, and I'm not in WhatsApp groups with lots of fans of other football teams. But there's definitely one where you've got Spurs fans and Arsenal fans and Chelsea fans and everyone, whatever that team loses, someone's getting absolutely slaughtered. And I feel like Tottenham have been that for years. And so they're ready. They, they've, they've accepted. Like Flav is very accepting of wherever Tottenham are and whatever they're doing. Yeah. So when they do come out on top, he's not like, he's not going, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But when it happens, you know he's ready for it to happen. <laughs> Um, speaking of Flav, I didn't get to. This was literally minutes before Saturday Social. Me and Flav were on it last week, and we started talking about. I was like, the things people have said about, must have said about Werner. Like of of all players, I don't know why, I I sort of went in on him quite heavily because I just thought he, I just thought he was awful. Yeah, and I love how everyone's going. He's quick, you know. Everyone's <laughs> going big on that. Right? <laughs> um, but so just before I searched, I said, I bet Flav, you've the stuff you must have said about Werner. I searched it right. And I didn't. They didn't let me read it for whatever reason. Twenty fifth of June, twenty twenty. Flav goes. Have you seen Werner's contract? Question mark. Two hundred eighty grand a week and eleven million signing on fee. Someone's done a laughing emoji. And he said, "Then said, I'm sick of these average players and tiny football clubs coming into the prem and damaging the brand. <laughs> 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 they should lock the league." 
No promotions, no relegations once Bournemouth have been binned out. <laughs> so good. There's so much of that. Which leads me on to Timo Werner yeah. and what the effect he could have. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The one thing that will really wind me up is say Timo Werner somehow, you know, scores the winner against Arsenal, North London derby. Can I set the rule now? Chelsea fans, you owe no part of that success. No. Well, like- Do not get involved on Twitter or wherever when Timo Werner scores goal because you're not even you're not even involved in it this year. I think almost uh, there's a weird Liverpool connection with Timo Werner because he was basically on his way to Liverpool. It was the, the most obviously done deal there'd been. And then during the COVID period, the money all fell out and Liverpool couldn't push the button and Chelsea stole a march, threw, a, threw the huge wage at him and got him. And Liverpool end up buying Diogo Jota as well and ends up being one of those wonderful wow. sort of wonderful again, sliding doors. I guess moments. you're hoping that's... There's obviously been the number nine curse of Chelsea. Is this a new curse you're hoping will like continue yeah, with the uh, old 100. Liverpool miss out on player? Player <laughs> turns out to be yeah, not as good as everyone thought. Happy with that one, <laughs> but it's um, but it, it, it it's funny the Chelsea thing because you see it with Kai Havertz of like their dislike for a footballer. They're just waiting and you're having it with and in the reverse. There's obviously like um, the Pochettino thing and there's just yeah. this weird like like ticking time bombs going off at various <laughs> London football clubs. banter time bombs yeah. where they're all sat on a load of old tweets. <laughs> ready to pump them out again absolutely so would this finally make Chelsea's £45 million worth it if Werner becomes the reason why Arsenal don't become champions is that worth £45 million? I mean what, what is that pr- how you want to live your life what <laughs> price what price being able to have Banton in the WhatsApp group I, can't, I couldn't tell you because it's not something I know but go on I certainly don't know what it's like to have any kind of banter <laughs> sadly that would be great one day um, speaking of uh, something being worth it Jordan Henderson Jordan Henderson is inevitable. It's clear that Henderson would like to leave Saudi Arabia already, but it's unclear where he could go. Liverpool's last six fixtures, Crystal Palace, Fulham, West Ham, Tottenham, Villa and Wolves. You can see him go into one of those. Mm. Would would you take him back? (sighs) I have toyed with putting this question out on social media and I I have steered clear of it for now because... Because you because you, you have to do too many caveats. Because just, just to sort of go behind the curtain a little bit, this happens when we work in what we work in. Because when you see, oh, Jordan Henderson's going to come back, you know you've got to talk about it. <laughs> so you then have to kind of go away to a corner and go, I'm just going to figure out what my take is on Jordan Henderson. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and break down well, the moral problems. Yes, because I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that I can create an opinion on anything. We used to have this in the, in the, in the Ball Street days where we'd have meetings and someone would say, what do you think? And I'd go, can I just be someone who says I've got no opinion on this? Because... I could make one, but what's the point? I don't care enough. That, you know, if you really desperately want an opinion from me, but in this one, this is something we you have to tread carefully because I, 
if it, and the caveats are as such. If we were just talking about a foot, him as a footballer, as an experienced footballer, and if I could rewind the clock back to the, the summer. Liverpool would be a much more rounded squad if they'd kept Jordan Henderson. Now, if it's, I want them to have still done the business that they did. So I still want Endo and I still want Gravenberch. But if they just kept someone like Henderson around, I think they they would have the extra depth would have helped them this he, season. I guess he he would take up that Milner role that he previously had. Absolutely. Um, however, he chose he chose to leave. He chose to leave against the plans of the manager as well. You know, the manager tried to convince him to stay. He chose not to. And then, of course, and I hate the fact that this comes last in all this, but when real, in realistic terms, it's the most important part. Obviously, the the issues around the support for the LGBTQ plus community, that kind of hurt, I don't think gets to just go away. And I think the fact that he... I just from a PR thing, I think he he dug himself too deep a hole. I and my hardest thing with all this because sometimes you get to work with footballers and you see them actually see them as human beings. I really like Jordan Henderson as a man. I think he's a really good guy, and I know that that is at odds with people's interpretations of how he's talked about things since. When you know someone's all right, I tend to I tend to believe the best in their intentions. So when I saw his interview with the Athletic and what have you, I got I. I went out of my way to see what he was trying to do as opposed to seeing it as the cynical side, which a lot of people did. But I, I just think I just don't think Klopp would have him back ultimately. I think that's the that's the problem. It's too much stuff to around it to make it worthwhile. I I think it would be a bad idea as well, purely from a footballing point of view, where I, I think he's a he's a very um sacrificial player, and that's probably his, you know, USP a little bit as a as a player. He allows others to thrive. That said, he is a big personality and a leader. So, so to be so integral and to have such status and then you take him out and Van Dijk gets the platform. Yeah. And Trent. Trent's Trent, taking the Yeah, bike, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you've seen that. You know, you've seen that in their posture. And yeah. it's, you see it in Trent's eyes. It's different to sort of him come in and it's either going to be either oh, let me just stay out the way, which is awkward, or he's going to go pat, pat, and, and and back in your, you know, go back way into your role, and that doesn't work either. So I don't think, I don't think it works in any way. But If he was like five years younger, and, the, you know, and then you get, after a bit of an air break, he's kind of coming back, and he's, you know, he's getting like one last few seasons, whatever, but I just don't think, he works so hard to build up a positive sense around him that, I just don't think there's enough. I don't think he's got enough left as a player yeah. to to actually turn that back around on 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 the pitch either. So no, I think you're right. You're better off leaving it. Um, Crystal Palace will be a really good uh, option for them. I think with uh, Decore's out for the season, Fulham if Palinia goes as an option there. I think that that midfield of um, for West Ham if you have Ward Prowse, I guess Suchek generally plays and scores goals for them. But you could see him, David Moyes liking him. Tottenham, do they need another midfielder? I don't think that works. Um, Villa, no, they don't need one. Wolves, that could kind of work, maybe. So there are some options there for There's him. There's a reuniting the holy trinity of Milner, Lalana, Henderson, and Brighton, which you know, which I don't, I just don't see how he fits in with Brighton. But just do it for. Sure, the... they do kind of need a sort of physical midfielder. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, an awkward time for him, um, and obviously you've got the England situation as well, where he's kind of. It might actually almost be worse, despite for his fitness and things like that, to come back and play in the Premier League. But 
we will be see him, we will see him playing, and that's the problem. Mm. Because then, if you <laughs> yeah. if you're not, you know, if you get playing for Crystal Palace and they're struggling, then people are going to be going, why on earth are you in the in the squad? Yeah, I mean, Southgate's already made his mind up. Well, yeah, and there's also the existence of Calvin Phillips, who just gets to sit there and and grow roots on the Man City City bench as an alternative. Yeah, well, he needs to move as well. Right, Afcon slash the uh, Asian Cup. So here's another tweet, Alex Noonan. Said Diaz and Jota. If both, especially Jota, are firing for Liverpool, it will settle it. Salah will bring numbers regardless, but we need that poacher for games like United or Arsenal. I thought with Diaz and Jota sort of stepping in to uh, the breach with Afcon, it is quite interesting in terms of the amount of games that you miss. So the the tournament is with Afcon is January thirteenth, running until February eleventh. Mm-hmm. So, however, top flight football will hold a mid season winter break just as the tournament in the Ivory Coast gets underway. So the Premier League's game week twenty one has then been split across two weeks. So each team will have one weekend off. So there'll be five games held from January 13th to 15th and the other five played the week after, the 20th to the 22nd. So if a player's knocked out early, they could well be back in action for the club's next game on the January the 30th or 31st. However, if a player reaches the final, they could miss a total of four or even five fixtures. Yeah. And when it comes to sort of the, the odds for AFCON, because I don't know a huge amount about it, it does seem like Egypt, which is Salah, obviously... Um, they're sort of like fifth. It's, yeah. It seems pretty, it seems really, really competitive. You've got like um, Algeria in there, Morocco have obviously done well, Senegal, Ivory Coast won it last time. Um, how do you feel about uh, the those players kind of uh, missing? Also elsewhere, Tottenham are going to be without Basuma and Saar and Son in the uh, Asia Cup. Endo missing as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I did a video on this uh, last week, just looking at what the potential impact would be for those two players. And it's, it's funny how, how football moves on because a month ago, the endo thing, shrug, you know, you go and there's a, a squad player, he's fine, you know, he's dropping in for, for cup games or whatever, but you can kind of make do and men without him. And then he's just, with McAllister being injured, he's played and he's been brilliant. He's been mm. really, really, really good. Are you convinced by him yet? Convinced? It depends what we mean I'm by that, close. really. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, what what is convinced? Convinced is often, you know, when you know you've got a, a at that level, it's almost like, you, is he... Is he apparent to being one of the best in the world? No. no. But actually convinced compared to what I was when I thought we'd literally bought a squad footballer just to just to give us a stopgap and give us a bit of breathing room until they find the proper long-term Fabinho replacement. Um, and in that regard, I was even unconvinced until a few weeks ago, whereas now I'm like, yeah, he, he'll he'll definitely do us for the rest of the season. And there's actually a chance that if, he, if that's his level, then... Yeah, you've got two or three years where you get the opportunity to use him and still maybe buy better, and then what a great squad! Um, so he he could prove to be a big miss. I thought he was actually um, a big miss against Arsenal um, the other day because that was actually the perfect type of game for him to just go and really go and firefight and shut mm. stuff down. It made it harder for Liverpool to really get a grip in the in the first half on that one. So he's a he's a big miss, and Salah look. <sighs> It happens all the time, <laughs> you know. He goes to Afghan all the time. Like it feels like. I mean, is Afghan like every six months now? Because that genuinely is what it feels like. I keep, you know, every now, I think he got moved to a summer once, and it was a, a absolute bliss. Um, but this is what we've had to had to live with. Is Salah obviously disappears? 
the benefit this time around is, of course, in, in previous years we've lost Mane as well, and we've lost uh, you know Naby Keita as well, which was obviously less of an impact because he was never fit anyway. But um, yeah, so at least it, it's <laughs> in inverted commas only, <laughs> only Salah, only the best player possibly in the well, league. Well, yeah, because I think that's it. It's it's not just so. Here's my thing with Afcon actually, especially with Salah. For me, it's not the games that he's going to miss. It's how good will he be back once he's back? Yeah, because that's that was a problem previously. That was not? the so last time around. Obviously, they lose to uh, they, they lose. It gets knocked out of Afcon, and then they've even got like the World Cup qualifying game against Senegal as well, which they which they lose, and he just comes back a shell of a footballer. And I and also there's a thing I think with Egypt when he's the best player obviously by by an absolute uh, distance as well and so it's all on him to do everything yeah, yeah. so he actually came back a worse footballer because he was so used to give me the ball go on I'll try and be three men and score the score the goal it was like you don't need to do that Liverpool mm. you need to be the guy who releases it and intelligent runs and brings other people into play whereas like you get a little bit of an impression he was like well I could pass it to him but I, I, honestly I, <laughs> yeah, well, I watched the I remember yeah. watching the final and Poor guy. It really was like, oh, he's the best player in our school team. Get him, get him the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he which, shattered. Is, which is great to a point, but, you know, like, you know. I think it's emotionally draining as yeah. well. Uh, I listened to a podcast uh, the other day and it was, I think it was either Soul Bamba or, oh God, I can't remember now, uh, Basong. And they were talking about, it sounds like it's not a big deal, but you're in a really warm country and with a very kind of intense feeling around you. And then you just go back to a really cold country, and it actually like makes uh, makes a difference. I think Basong was saying about he said to Nigel Pearson, he was like, "I just I, I'm not, I just need like one more game to sort of be ready for it." Yeah. The problem with Salah is he got, got kind of bring him back into it, and yeah, it, he definitely was different. His um, last time, yeah, no, and and hopefully, I mean, it's funny because like Klopp's been joking with both him and Endo about the idea of like, listen. All the best, but you know, if it goes her- horrendously wrong, got it. Oh, but you know, it'll be fine. Um, yeah. and yeah, I-, I was looking at the the fixtures that potentially they could miss, and this is where it starts to get an issue with the Salah thing because I think you can handle two or three games here and there. I think the fact that Liverpool are in the, the League Cup semi final, you've added two in there, they've now gotten past Arsenal, so the FA Cup fourth round game is going to be in there. This could have been far less impactful, but mm. potentially, you know, if, if both get beyond the group stage, so the group stage, you kind of, you talked it through there, but now comes after the Saturday, the, the fourth round FA Cup game, which will be against Bristol or Norwich for, for Liverpool, which is good. I'm glad that's a, that's a, that kind of level we can make, we yeah, can rotate make regardless. If they, if they go out in the group stage, they could be back for Chelsea, for Arsenal and then Burnley, which would be a huge run of games for you know for, for a title challenge potentially. But if they get beyond that, then you know that's then they've already missed the Arsenal game. They're going to miss both legs of the DFL semi-finals, a Premier League game against Bournemouth. There's now the FA Cup fourth round. There's Chelsea, Arsenal, and Burnley. That's a huge amount of games, and that mm. could be quite quite telling. But you know, Bournemouth as well, like absolutely killing it right now. So it's not a good time to play a team like that. Yes. Tottenham, uh, the, as I said, without Basuma and Saar, Sun as well is a big loss for them. Um, so again, but that, that's why the Werner thing's so smart though. <laughs> you know, he's not necessarily going to come in and be the Werner that I think people hoped he was going to be the first time around. But you just, he's got, he's quick. He's quick. He's got quick. He's patient. <laughs> Me and Flav used to say, he's a player that you don't really know about. So there's one called um, Dragerson, um, and he's, from Genoa 
And it's the so age old, yeah, apparently it's class. <laughs> like, it's that, it's that phrase of, yeah, apparently it's class. Like, you don't know anything about Our it. knowledge of 21-year-old Romanian centre-halves is lacking if we're yeah, being yeah. perfect honest on a day-to-day basis. But it's smart, smart, yeah, smart yeah. business, both of them. <laughs> exactly. And Arsenal are without Tomiyasu and El Neni. Oh, no. But again, interesting. Villa are only without Traore. Man City have no players mm. missing at all. I think there must be a ripple effect there in terms of clubs if there are you know if the data team goes we've got these two guys and one's <laughs> you know one's one's african one's not you go well that must happen all the time well yeah apart the, from at liverpool where we just seem to be to build our team around players who are going to be missing during the season you know there was even a point where when we signed john matter and he was a, he'd fallen out with cameroon and cameroon basically uh, put a, a, a sanction into Liverpool where the, he, he chose not to go but he still couldn't play for Liverpool because he'd chosen not to go and play for Cameroon oh, so, really? so yeah we lost him to AFCON without <laughs> him actually right. going to AFCON right let's do it here we go five reasons why Liverpool will win the league penned by Paul Machin and then I've got a couple of extra talking points uh, that you might not have written down well, from uh, beloved people who write tweets A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm going to get the five that I sent to you because if I just freestyle this, I might actually just give you another five that I've not sent because that's how many that's what reasons you do. there are. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. don't like repeating Endless. Myself. Yeah. Um, should we go point by point? Let's go for it, yeah. I'm not sure how to how to kind of rank these, to be honest, but I'll go big first and sure, foremost. Rank them at the end. Okay. We can rank them at the end. That's sure. a good idea. And I have, yeah, I've got a couple of, uh, some good questions from LFC Josh. And from RJP Tabs. So, yes, you kick off. Should we go in order of what you've written? Mm, yes. Uh, Klopp. It's good, isn't he? <laughs> he is good. He is amazing. <laughs> He's a really, really good manager. You know, we've... Did you ever doubt him? Nope. Never. Yeah. Not at all. Um, you couldn't really, could you? No. Did you... Then maybe give me a three percent of your doubt. I doubt. No, the only thing I <laughs> doubted was whether he'd had just had enough, and that was during the the COVID season more than anything else. You know, I think he'd lost his mother during that time, and Liverpool lost like six consecutive home games with no reasoning to it. You know, players dropping like flies, and he just looked tired. Mm. And there was a rumor because this is where we get our WhatsApp groups. As you get in Liverpool, you get Liverpool fans and Evertonians 
doing really clever wind-up tactics that get shared many times. There's normally some dodgy room, and it was like Klopp's left was one, and it was clearly started by a blue. The one we've got is um, the, the, the subpar concrete being used for Everton Stadium, and it's going <laughs> to sink into the Mersey. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Jürgen Klopp is the best in the business, and he it just looks so excited by what he's got. Can you feel a difference? Because I think with a lot of this, the question I could pose time and again is there's sort of the the chicken and egg of, well, is the team doing better? So that's why that person's doing better or or, or vice versa. I think the the thing with Klopp back in the last year was sort of, it seemed very clear that the problem was the midfield, but it also, it felt then like there needed to be some sort of tweak in the overall style, maybe the same principles, but there needed to be a change. Yeah. And, and he has a, done it. Well, just the freshness in general, you know, because yeah. the midfield was it, but, you know, there was a lot of just mental and physical t- fatigue around the squad yeah. in general as well. They pressed for so hard for so long. And you he know. was so dependent. Like, again, people would think it might be a lazy thing, but you were incredibly dependent on that front three. Mm-hmm. And in terms of goals, Mane and Salah. Now, Salah is a, a robot. So he seems to just not... Why well, he never gets injured? Why would you do that? Why would you do that with plastic coated tables? But the midfield didn't contribute in that way. And no. the contribution is different now, isn't it? No, but the, mid- the midfield was the, the foundations of that. So when you when your front three starting to age a little bit and maybe you know, they haven't got that extra spring in the step and we did lo- that, that front three lost a yard of pace and all of a sudden Firmino's injury record just started to turn a corner a little bit so it was, wasn't functioning in the same way. And then, yeah, the, the legs, the engine room was falling apart behind it. And then in addition to that, you just had, yeah, a, a, you know, Van Dijk had come back from a long term injury and then gone a bit too hard that season he, he was he was badly overplayed and they really felt the, the effects and last season with the you know, the World Cup in the middle of it you had a bunch of players who you're then tired physically mentally tired you've gone as close to immortality as you're going to get and fallen short and then all of a sudden your focus is going particularly Van Dijk who missed the Euros because he chose not to go to the Euros to finish his rehabilitation to be ready for Liverpool that was a sacrifice he made. There's a World Cup coming up, and it's like I'm not missing the World Cup, you know. And so you see it. Do, do players just just leave a little bit in the the tank here and there? Yeah, yeah. Combined factors. But Klopp looks like he's just enjoying the process again. He's one of them where I think he likes the struggle. I think he likes to look at something. And I, I, my analogy is a bit like I don't like cleaning the house when it looks clean. I like cleaning it when it looks dirty so I can feel the satisfaction <laughs> of having put the elbow grease in right, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Maintenance is not as fun. You know, when you reach a manager stage, champ man, footy manager parlance, where you just click and continue, play a game, continue, play, make a sub here and there. It's boring. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Klopp likes that, but he looks like he's he's got his hands into it as well. And from a... This is a question I wanted to put to you. From It's something you, we can only guess at, right? But I, I wonder, when it comes to mentality, kind of to the same point, Klopp, I think, prefers... And you see it in the style of play, where it's, it is front foot, but there's always that little element of underdog in it. Hmm. And so with the way that the team's playing this year and where they're kind of position this year there's an overall feeling amongst people that man city are here understandably won the triple liverpool are you know are here right the thing that i wonder about is when you talk about said players being a little bit jaded when 
and for those of you just listening, my right hand is above my left hand. <laughs> the right hand representing Man City. Man what, City. I f- uh, what I think will decide the title race is what's more powerful, the that underdog mentality and freshness of Liverpool, whilst maybe not having the same level of chemistry or quality that allows them to, to exceed themselves. And what has to be, is what is a couple of things in when it leads to sort of tipping into the jaded jug, which is Man City have won all those things. So again, with the quadruple, it did have an effect. Like you could feel it. it it's, uh, it's draining. For Man City, just that, that hunger, you know, the difference between, you know, having the gluttony of three trophies and then all being like in the abyss, but then all of a sudden you're back. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then also the other thing, which uh, Thomas Martin said uh, in a tweet, he said, the big, one of the big reasons will be if um, Man City kick on like they always do. Mm-hmm. I think this is incredibly dangerous, this idea of, we, well, they always kick in. Because if you're just sort of waiting for that, you have to, you have to, you have to go. Can I, can I just, yes. So where, where that but, lands for me is going to decide the title. But having lived in the shadow, you okay. know, in, in that, in that, you know, I'll cauldron of what Man City is and are, it's more that, expecting them not to come good is the pathway to madness. So, like, you're just going to end up more... You start, you know, they go goal behind and you, you see it on, like, maybe on sofa screen, you see it and you go, go, I flick that on and you put it on just as they score the equaliser <laughs> or you're on a stream and then by the time you're on there, the 2-1 the, the up and you go, you ruin me night, you know, and that, that, that's what, that's what yeah. City do. So... <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'm looking for it. Um, generally, I kind of... I'll hear an opinion... Or what feels like the main opinion, and I find myself drifting left because I, I think it's more yeah. interesting. But I do, I get it. I get we've seen this time and again, but every season is different. Yeah, and 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 I think there is there is something to it. And there's a book. I I I, I like narratives. I like stories. So I think about what when I see threads, I think about how they might connect to the to the final point. And if I was writing the book of how City came undone. And it's you know it's in parallel with how Liverpool maybe regain the title or how Arsenal go that final step and, and win it or how Villa come from nowhere to, to win it. I'm looking at City and I'm going, how you know I think we're going to do it elsewhere, but like Rodri and how pivotal he is, and he was talking at the start of the season about how can't do another season like that. You know, he said at the start of the season, I played too many games. I'm like, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm sure he said it with this intonation. Yeah. Fortunately, Calvin's here. He'll be, he'll be popping in yeah, that yeah. again, I imagine. Yeah, Calvin, there's many games. And look at me, look at me quality of understudy. Well, it's not, you know, I'm just ridiculous. We need to buy better. We need to buy better. No, he, um, he, he spoke about it. He, he talked about how difficult it was and how mentally and physically taxing it was and how it was too much for him to do that. Like, mm. I can't do that. I can't do that again. That's a bit of a thread. The Kevin De Bruyne injury things are, are, a, are a bit of a thread. Harlem picking an injury that's a little bit of a thread this idea of Riyad Mahrez actually leaving when he wasn't supposed to leave that's a thing and so when you're when you're weaving this tapestry together and your end point is City don't win the league there there have been some sort of yeah things that kind of preempt that uh, a little bit yeah, so far I just feel like there's a little bit of uh, it's just almost a bit of a lazy mindset and I think you'll get so I did my updated predictions yesterday and I hadn't had time to really like do it before. And I got to the moment where it was Liverpool Man City and I just got, I put Liverpool top because I just thought, I thought, why not? The Gundogan thing is playing on my mind. Yes. Huge. A lot. Because in, in, often in those big games you need, and it's something I did on a video a couple of weeks ago, 
is you need those cheat codes. You, you spoke about it earlier in the podcast. And those you need those moments where, don't worry, guys, let me just fix this. Yeah. And De Bruyne is that. But the thing with De Bruyne is he has been out. And everyone, again, with a bit of a light, lazy mindset is going, he comes back, football's a you know, computer game. He's fit. Everything's fine. And of course, that could absolutely happen. Yes. Absolutely happen. But he could easily break down after three or four games. Mm-hmm. I'll touch with it again for Man City fans. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that one. How could you? <laughs> How could you? Uh, but Klopp's fresh. That's good. Right. Second one. Second one. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, back to his best. Um, uh, tales of Virgil van Dijk's demise have been greatly exaggerated and I think you have this when you get to the top is that everyone's desperate to have the hot take of oh he's done he's finished you know you know wind it up stick a fork on him um, nah <laughs> he as another one looks fit looks fresh looks reinvigorated the captain I was a little concerned at giving him the armband I'll be honest really? um, yeah I just because I've come through the Gerard era of captaincy and I think he's a more Gerard like and, and I, not in the same way because Gerard obviously was at his peak was every blade of grass he was like Beckham for England you know he'd do everything super superhero uh, captaincy but really what he was was the best player and you got a lot of withering glances from Steven Gerrard whereas I've then followed that up with the Jordan Henderson era who is a yeah he'll scream at you if you do something wrong he'll shout at you but he'll also get his arm round you if you then if you then go and do the right thing the next time he'll let you know that you've done that he was a perfect, like if you had to write what a captain's roles and responsibilities are. And because Jordan he's Henderson not the best player, it. it's about the team. Exactly. Yeah. And it, I'm always worried when you put one of your best players as, as captain, is basically the, the, the point on that. However, he has just risen to it. And I think a little bit of we're resting and rotating him. He's played something like, and this actually, I, I haven't got the exact numbers off the top of my head because they've changed since I last looked at it. But there was a point around the Christmas period where I think he played something like 600 minutes less than Saliba. That is a huge amount of football difference. Mm. And that's your two best centre-halves. Probably the two best centre-halves in the league. Diaz yeah. in there as well. And it, and Van Dijk has played significantly less football than than both of those guys because we've been able to use him more sparingly and that's going to have a, a, a telling impact. Is He's still great, still back to his best. Is he different? Mm. Or do you think he is that same guy? No, I think he's that same guy. That's I just... think he's... Oh, well, sorry, no. Actually, you know, I, I will, I will exp- expand on that a touch. I think he engages more. I think he was the archetypal, like sort of heavyweight champion who's reached the top and he's got no one to sort of touch him. And then all of a sudden, someone comes along who has sort of tested them and like, you've actually got a choice. Am I done or am I prepared to fight for what I've got to maintain my position at the top of the hill? And I think last season was too many people went oh go on I'll just have a go and actually got change out of him it started first game of the season Mitrovic gets a penalty out of him yeah. I think a lot of people went oh whereas the season whether it was that season or the season before we played into Milan in the yeah, Champions yeah. League and Latoro Martinez ran away from him uh, that's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen he refused to run towards <laughs> so the goal because Van Dijk was there and he ran so off weird. instead so and that was like that's aura yeah. and um, I think he's realised that he has to rebuild that aura so actually he's testing himself he's being more physical he's getting into tackles that he wasn't getting into but he's winning them because he is better than everyone and yeah and he, you can just tell he's got he's got an outrageous mindset which can I think like say with the Gerard element like it can make 
players crumble. But if the players around you are good enough, yeah. then you should be. So, should be so when I say he's not changed, what I, what I, in my head, that was a bit more of like a, you know how like an attacking player loses their pace, so they adapt the game. I don't think he's lost anything. So, oh, okay, it, so you it, don't think he's ad- changing his game at all? I, I mean, he's he's changing. He's, he is changing his game. He's actually using his attributes more than right. he than he had to. Never used to have to run, or you never used to really have to tackle or be the physical one. Um, but now I think he's being more. He's just flexing more. Um, so he is changing his game, but in the opposite way to what you're meant to do when you're supposedly in a, a fading power, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last one on, on Van Dyke. Do you think if someone like Endo, is is that part of, of why we were all wondering if he'd you know lost his way was how bad Fabinho was last year? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. A lack of shielding in front of the defence, definitely. And it's just a thing where collectivisms, the power of Liverpool have built their success. Andy Robertson touched upon it last season when he, he kind of said, what's meant to happen is if you're struggling, your mate's meant to come and bail you out. Well, my mate's not bailing me out here because he's struggling and then he's struggling. And then what happens is the ones who aren't struggling, then it just, it's a, it's a creeping death. It's like mm. you look around and go, well, your motivation to play through the pain starts to lower when it doesn't look like anyone else around you is doing the same thing. So I think it's a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, your third reason why Liverpool will win the league. Oh, um, so I went with Alisson. We've, uh, I mean, should we <laughs> move on? <laughs> best, uh, best goalie in the world. So I was going to get to this, but we can kind of do it now. Yeah, I want to talk about sort of players that you can't kind of live without. And, Someone said Max said, given how many injuries have happened this season, I'd say that if someone like Edison or Allison is injured for a couple of months, that could decide the title. Would you obviously I think, you know, likes of Allison and Salah and Trent and suppose like, like you've got a lot of those guys. But do you think there's no way you can win a title without Allison, is it? <sighs> um, like what makes him such a difference maker for you? He yeah, we talked about it with Van Dyke. Or it's just a huge thing in certain positions in football. Um, and there was a lot of talk in the FA Cup game against Arsenal. And they were very, people very critical of Arsenal's finishing in that situation. And part of that is because they haven't got predators. But the other part is when you're then not a predator. And then you, you I think you overthink the situation you're in. And then you're looking at Alison Becker and going... I've got to be perfect here to score against this guy. So David De Gea had this in his in his prime, you know, many moons ago. And Liverpool used to have this issue with him. He used to have brilliant games against us. And you had this sense of, if I'm scoring against him, it's going to have to be in the top corner. We're talking shave the paintwork to get in, to have a chance of getting past them. So instead of, I've just got to get my shots on target, you're actually not, you're aiming for the postage stamp in the corners of the, of the goal all of a sudden. Mm. And when you're not truly, truly elite, that's, not something that comes as natural to you, so you do think about it, and that thinking about it takes half a step away from you, gives the defenders time to compensate, etc. Allison's not that Hollywood goalkeeper; he's not going to pull as many of your match of the day style saves off. But a lot of stuff hits the trunking of him because ultimately he's already there. Well, yeah, he's there. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we, Adam Ramsdale is the is the best recent example. Of this Jordan Pickford's got it a bit as well. He'll pull something out of the top corner and he'll tip it over. Allison will just take two steps across and catch it, and you know, and that's what he's got. And and he's also at that age now where perfect blend where he's still got years left at the top, but he's been at the top for so long, and that extra experience that comes with I've been there and I've done it really adds something to a goalkeeper. He's the best in the business. And that, uh, again, that's why I kind of keep coming back to. 
Liverpool as truly like truly having a chance of winning the league because although you've got you've got guys that have kind of done it but they've not done it on the terms that they've totally like mm. but they're also not afraid um of going and winning it and also they have probably have a heightened energy to go and do it as well to mm. d- to go and win it in front of their own fans yeah yeah 100% that but also they've been there and done it but they're also not they're not been there and done you know, you can have teams in players in certain teams. I look at like Liverpool in the in the nineties. So you get to like ninety three, ninety four. You know, a few years after a title, Bruce Grobelaar's just about to leave. They've got Jan Morby, They've got Ronnie Wheeler. This is one for the kids, by the way. Um, you've it's got your history, guys. You've got, you've got Ian Rush. Um, but none of them are at the peak of their powers. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. Whereas Liverpool have got Allison, who is. You know he's got he's still got years at that in that kind of role. Van Dijk, Mohamed Salah, guys who not just know how to do it, but have the ability to actually go and make it happen again. Mm. The final reason that you've got here is the start of prime Trent. It's second to last. Sorry, fourth. Come on, I realize you're another one. come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I do um, yeah. Second to last for now. Uh, yeah, the start of prime Trent. Um, Obviously, the ongoing is he a right back? Is he a midfielder? For me, huge shrug. Who cares? As long as he plays on the pitch and he plays well, he can play wherever he wants and wherever yeah. Cop wants him to play. Um, he is 25. That's the age now where Gerard was going to Champions League final, Istanbul, and being the best player on on the pitch in a team <laughs> in a team in a pitch half littered full of superstars, <laughs> uh, all of whom were playing for AC Milan at the time. Um, the um, the the levels that that lad is capable of are absolutely astounding. And you know, I remember saying three of probably three or four years ago, if he just stayed where he was and stayed at the level he was at, he'd be the best right back ever to play the game because of the numbers he was doing, uh, you know, and and the games he played in and the telling impact in the big football matches. And there's obviously that tiresome narrative of Trent's defensive abilities, which always gets sort of. It's like, what are you trying to prove? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you if you really want to fight, pick a footballer, and everyone is there are every footballer is imperfect. Find something they're not great at, and if you solely look out for that, you are going to find loads of ammunition to back up your take that someone's not not right. But now he's 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 just grabbing games more, yeah. and he's actually facilitated in how we use him more to do that. We had a real struggle in the COVID season when we played the Merseyside derby and Jordan Henderson was playing centre-half in that and got injured. So there you go. Even our backup centre-halves were done at that point. And Trent was the last one standing and he's trying to grab the game, but he's still predominantly a right-back. He just couldn't get into areas of the pitch to really make it happen for us. And now we're like, right, let's let's shuffle the pack. Let's see if we can get him into telling areas of the pitch. And he does. I think that's exactly the... That's the most crucial point when it comes to him doing what he wants to do is is where can you get him on the ball in the areas of the pitch that you would like him to have it. And so you are seeing him more central. You are seeing him outside the box a lot of the time because, of course, like, why? OK, it'd be great to put crosses in. He'll do that at times. But and and we spoke about it earlier. I do see a difference in him. Like He feels like an adult now. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing here. And also the style of play that has changed. I think if they're playing the way that you played before... There's kind of not that space in that midfield for him to go and 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 be in those areas, uh, and he is. And I think it's one where I've been thinking about the sort of the England team, and there will have to be changes made there because you have to you have to get him in the team. Well, Has to play for England. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I like England aren't gets forgotten about sometimes. England aren't as good as a top 
of the Premier League team. So you can put Trent just in midfield for England. Yeah. Um, it's the reason why we still have this. People go to me, Gini Van Aldem, he's playing in a 10 for Holland. He's scoring goals. Like, yeah, but like, like, he's not good enough to play in a 10 for Liverpool. That's why he plays central midfield. That's what happens. Trent is more than good enough to play in midfield for England against almost every team they're going to come up against. I also think it's, it's who have you got around you. I think that's the thing for Trent. The one critique that I've had consistently, it, and it, it, to be fair, it just came from that Man City game. But the point is that Man City game is the highest level that he will play. So if he's looking to get to those levels, he has to excel in those games. And he, for whatever reason, either the centre-back didn't want to give him the ball or he wasn't in the right position to receive the ball um, regularly in that game. And actually, he was far more effective in the second half when he went back over to kind of that right-hand side. So I'm intrigued to see how, what levels he can get to when he, sort of, when he does out-and-out out play as a midfielder. But if you're playing for England and Declan Rice is doing that bit, you can just continue to stay on, the, on that right-hand side as part of that three with Bellingham in there as well. And then he just gets to do the bits he loves to do. And yeah. that's, that's amazing. Uh, sorry, last one then. This is, this is good. I'm pleased you brought this one up. We've got a video on this one as well on the JLA channel as well, which I said bloody ages ago. Go on, Paul. Um, attacking depth. So this is the difference between Liverpool and everyone else in the Premier League. Um, so there was a, always a sense with Liverpool's Front three, you know, the classic front three of Mane, Firmino, Salah, that like they, you, all three of them could get you. But the problem was, is that when you then needed to go deep in a game, maybe someone's injured or, you know, it, it's, it's fatigue starting to bite. What are you bringing into that situation? And, and Liverpool's answer for a time was Sturridge, uh, who was obviously well past his, his best by that point. And then the answer became Divock Origi, who was an absolute cult hero, cult legend for the football club. But you then couldn't start him in games and expect him to keep the, the level. You were undercutting what you do. Liverpool brought in Diogo Jota and all of a sudden they had the ability to take Sadio Mane off on 60 minutes and bring in a guy who was just as likely to, to score in, in his place. They've still got Diogo Jota, but now they've got Cody Gakpo and they've got Darwin Nunes in the mix as well. And Liverpool have just got loads of different ways different to beat you. Ways. That's it. It's the different profiles that you have of those guys as well which I think is massive I love Harvey Elliott as well yes. as a player who obviously can play in loads of different areas be interesting to see if Carvalho comes back and gets involved there might not be enough space I don't, there I don't think he will it looks like he's just going to go back out on loan but I, that, I was interested to see whether they would keep him around mm. for that just for the rest of the month and see how that goes but it, the whole looks likely for him Um but I, I'd like I'd like to give him a couple of games and just see if he could, you know, give him give him another chance. Good, good player. But I, I do I think teams are so much smarter than they've ever been out of possession as well, and I think that means that you need different ways to change it. And when you change it, you have to change it. <laughs> like, and that's what Klopp has got here. Whereas with Man City, those changes aren't as as different. And whereas you can go from playing. Four three three to four two three one to four two four to playing four two two two. You can do all of those different things. And Nunez, those three that you said there, Nunez, Jota, and Gakpo, so different. Yes, so different. Well, yeah, think about all of them. All of them have played the nine fours. So you've got Darwin Nunez, who is the the closest thing to like a complete centre forward without without being anywhere near complete. Also <laughs> at the same time, but he's. Just a nightmare to play against. He's, he's strong, he's powerful, he's so fast. He just wants to upset you, wants to get in your face. He can play on the shoulder, he can get in behind. 
So if you get that wrong, he's in. Um, he's, you know, he, he turns up in the right areas at the right time. You know, okay, his finishing's been, yeah, profligate at best. But so these are the two things I've got. So Josh said Darwin, Darwin Nunez could be the difference if he clicks and does what he's capable of. Liverpool win it with ease, and he ends the season with twenty plus goals. If he continues to miss important chances, then I fear City take advantage and take it. Is it that? Yeah, severe. No, no, edge? no. I don't think so because I, I, it's interesting. Can he click? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he can. I, I, I've seen a lot of like him, you know, those those banterous names for him, but he reminds me a bit of it's a bit of Andy Cole, Andrew Cole. Apologies, uh, and a bit. <laughs> is he still funny about that? Best <laughs> <laughs> to be careful. Uh, and a bit of Emil Heskey <laughs> as well. Uh, in some of the second reference, Emil reference on the podcast, but because um, what Darwin's doing now, and with the Heskey comparisons, is he's setting goals up. So like he's he's playing Saladin, yeah, I noticed and that. So everyone's going, he's number nine. He's taking that number nine shit. Like everyone's obsessed with the idea that he's taking the number nine, and I get it. It's a lot of money. He's leading the line for Liverpool. But look at the goal returns from the other top teams. City have got Haaland, and that, and they've got then Foden and Alvarez are chipping in, and they're doing quite yeah. well. But they're not. Neither of those right now is if he's got fifteen to twenty goals. They haven't. Liverpool have got a very similar sort of spread in where their goals are coming from. Now, obviously, no Salah for Afcon will will take this a little bit, but at the moment, you don't need that. It's better to have as long as you've got your one guy, and then you've got a bunch of other guys who are kind of contributing to a level. That's so far so good. So I don't think it's all on him clicking. I think people are a little getting a little obsessive about that because look, as long as we put a win in, it kind of doesn't really matter. And with Jota there, who will. You know, because he's a he's a predator. He's a stone cold killer yeah, yeah. in the That's box. Thing, yeah. um, you've got guys who can do that, and then of course, like Cody Apo, who's just a sensational footballer um, to come in as well. So yeah, I, I, I get what people are saying with the Darwin thing, but I'm, I don't think it's as pressing a problem as maybe people make out. Last thing I wanted to put to you: this is from Tableau, and I've seen this. I've seen this a bit. Um, Tiago Alcantara. Uh, when Liverpool were chasing the quadruple 21-22 season, he stayed fit for a large part of the back end of the season. I would still say he is Liverpool's best midfielder and we haven't seen him once in this new system. Are you having this or is this one where, oh yeah, <laughs> that is, there's that jacket I've never worn for <laughs> ages. Well, there's a reason you don't wear it because it doesn't fit you anymore. Yeah, Does yeah. It, is he... Can he still play a part? Is he the pair of trainers that you bought online because they looked great and then when you've got them, you're like, yeah, no, they're yeah. not me. Um, uh, yeah, look, Thiago Alcantara, it will probably have a 10-game spell of fitness because that's what he does. Um, and it will be the... Are you excited to see him in this 100%. new Liverpool team? I'm just excited to see him, James. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love Thiago. I, just, I, I, I adore him. I just think he's a... Uh, we're blessed to it's just why you watch them, isn't it? It's those kind. He's one of those. Honestly, like mm. it's, it's a it's a genuine thrill to see him on the pitch because he's so good at football. He, um, I, whenever I whenever I play tennis, I think about how you take tennis, how you, how you hit a ball, and I, he plays football a bit like that. You know, like the the different oh, ways. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. a bit of fades, but you know that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> on the way he, he strikes it, I um, I love him, and I don't know that he'll be a huge telling factor, but. Um, he he could be a bit of a difference maker. You know, he's just a he's just a brilliant footballer who's been there and done it all. Liverpool squad is better for better for having him. Can I give you a, a one 
random one. Go on. A truly random one. Joe, we've got other stuff here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it after this one, guys. So, yeah, go for it. If Liverpool... <laughs> okay, I'm doing it. A Joe Gomez goal is going to play a pivotal part in Liverpool winning a title this season. I am convinced of this more than I've been convinced of anything in my life before. He has yet to score a professional goal. goal. Yeah. He's never scored for us. close recently, didn't he? He's, he's getting close. With he's, it. James, he's getting closer. <laughs> so he's getting closer. <laughs> and I, I and we're at, the conversations are happening. Like, what would you want it to be? And it's most likely just going to be a scuffer in like a four 0 But I don't now. Don't don't come this far, Joe, and have it be that. It needs to be an absolute thunder bastard <laughs> off the bar. Vincent Company, oh, kind of like eighteen nineteen. I would love to see that. I would give. Anything for that to be the moment, but I just, in terms of like what might be a mad deciding factor in Liverpool being a, a being that, a Joe Gomez goal. Amazing. Is that, are we getting to the? Are we near the sort of Hibbert region where you, everyone's on the pitch? He's a well. He's not. He, yeah. I mean, if it's that, if it's that goal, there's nothing going to stop me from getting onto. There's no no amount of stewarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's going to be some run, but I might fly. Uh, to be honest, if that actually happens, um, I will crowd surf down the cop to get there if that happens. Amazing. That's good. That's, that's a nice one to chuck in uh, near the end. Uh, right. Uh, we are. There's other things that we can talk about, but the ripple effect is back. Back. Okay. So don't worry. We will talk about Arsenal and Villa and all these teams. But Paul's here. So we're chatting about Liverpool a little bit more. We're going to do another podcast talking about or ranking every Jurgen Klopp signing. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. Mm. Appreciate it. We're going to have a little break and then we will go again. I'm not supposed to say that, am I? Oh. Bad vibes. See you next time. Didn't say that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 